0: Welcome to another episode of Unafraid with Josh and Nate. Let's get to the show. Hey, everybody. Josh Pressler here, along with Nasty Nate. We are excited to bring you another good one today, or at least something we think is a good one. Um, Nate, how are you doing this week?
1: Doing good, man. It's nice and chilly.
0: Yeah. Speaking of chili, chili. we we ate some tamales and chili last night for dinner. Nice. It was pretty delicious. Ashley didn't know that was a thing. And I was like, well, that's because you're from the north.
1: Tamales and chili? Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. And so she had it, and she was like, that was really good. So anyway, guys, we are excited to be in the studio again this week and talking to you guys. And I'm just going to kind of set up where we're going to go the next few weeks. Um, last week we touched base on, uh, kids and their cell phones and we hit four points that we think we can teach our kids to make them spiritually ready. And we're going to kind of go through those four points these next few weeks. Um, we're going to talk about identity today. Then we're going to talk about character and relationships and our purpose. So today, like I said, we're going to dive into identity a little bit. And the uh, basis of what we put that on last week was, before you can know who you are, you have to know whose you are. And we're talking about Psalms twenty-four, one, where it says, The earth is the Lord, and all it contains, the world and those who live in it. And so, <sighs> identity is pretty interesting, if you think about it, because we live in a world right now that... um is confusing to say the least. Uh, People are not sure of who they are in their own identity. There's a a lot of different stuff out there. So much so that a few weeks back when my wife and I had our first uh, OBGYN appointment, it was really interesting because we were sitting down there and they were doing our, I'm sorry, not our first appointment, but our first sonogram appointment. And they were doing the sonogram and it goes through and it they scroll across where you either see a vagina or a penis, and they put on the screen gender XY. And I was like, okay, so unprovoked, I decided to ask the nurse in today's society, do you ever get any people like questioning that when you put that up there? And her response to me was, yeah, sometimes you get people that say, oh, you know, we're going to let them decide. Or you know we're just going to refer to it as baby, you know, just different things like that, and it it got me. It just was very kind of funny to me that even at that stage, people are like we we're going to let them decide.
1: Yeah, I, I think to me it's more concerning than funny. Just
0: that's a better that word. Yes,
1: a, you know a brain that hasn't even begun to properly develop is. All of a sudden being put in charge of this, of figuring out its identity.
0: Yeah. When it's, it when sense. it's not even breathing oxygen yet.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, and, um, that it brought up a good point that, you know, you, you stated last week was that, you know, we're, we're supposed to, as parents be helping our kids learn how to navigate life and make decisions, you know? Mm-hmm we have all these structures in our society that say kids aren't allowed to make these decisions until they're a certain age. But then when it comes to who I am as a person, you know, whether I'm a boy or a girl, we're going to let them decide that. And that's, that's kind of crazy. If you ask me, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. When there was a story I heard one time, it was like, it was, it actually wasn't a story. It was a video I saw where it was a dad asking his kid, He said, so I can give you $1,000 or I can take you to go get ice cream. And the kid was like, oh, let's go get ice cream. (laughs) Not even thinking about the fact that at the $1,000, you could buy lots of different ice creams, you know, many times over. And it's like that. But but yet we're going to sit there and let our kids say, oh, because I'm playing with a Barbie, I'm a girl. Or, oh, because I'm, you know, my cousin growing up would have quintessentially been a boy today by today's standards because she and I were nine days apart when we were born and she was, I had all girl cousins around. My only two boy cousins were States away. And so it was like, we just literally played basketball. We did all sorts of stuff outdoors together because we were so close in age, you know? And I, I even played mall madness and pretty, pretty princess with them. But yeah. Here I am today, you know, by today's standards, I would be like, oh, he's playing these things. He must be, you know, let's, let's put him on puberty blockers. Let's do this because he must be a girl or she must be a boy. But realistically, when you get down to it, you can look all the way back to Genesis 1, 26. And we'll read to um, 27 right now where it says, then God said, let us make man in our image in our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So, if we're talking about identity, and we're talking about who we belong to, and the Bible says that everybody that everything in the earth and everyone on the earth belongs to God, according to Psalms 24 one. Then we also have to look at Genesis and say, okay, well he created the male and female. So Mm -hmm. if you're created male and female, you're created who God wanted you to be. Now we have to search for that purpose in our life to figure out Why did God create us this way? What are my gifts? And how can I use them to better his world? Um, Like, as it says in Proverbs 22, 6, that we also went over last week, was train a child up in the way they should go. And when they grow old, they will not depart from it. So we also have to remember that we weren't an afterthought when he created the world. Right. Right. He created the world for us. And if you continue on in that verse in Genesis, it says, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over it, the fish in the sea and the birds of the air and every other living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed bearing plant on the face of the earth and every tree with fruit and seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and the birds in the air and the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has a breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. Then God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day.
1: Yes, if God sees all he made and it was all very good to him, and how are we going to go into life and say, oh, it it's okay, but we can make it better. Let's let's change this.
0: Yeah. when if, if you even look at that where he says it's very good, you look earlier at every single day. At the end of the days when God was creating, he said it was good. But it was on the day that he created man that he said it was very good. Because there was a wholeness there. At the end of the sixth day, the The wholeness of the earth was completed. And God said, okay, this is how the earth should be. So who are we to argue with how God created us?
1: Yeah, Psalms 139, 13 through 16 says, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. So, I mean, he's already mapped out what he's got intended for our life.
0: Right. And I'm going to add one more verse in there. Uh, was it was Ephesians 1.4. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight and love. He predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. And that's Ephesians one, four and five. But so with all that being said, you know, then sin came into the world. Satan began to confuse mankind and confuse our identity in God he started to put seeds of doubt in our ear that made us doubt who we are today. And even to this day, we still have those doubts. I mean, Nathan, do you ever have doubts about yourself in life every day? Yeah. And, and all those doubts, you know, if we're so perfectly made in Christ and in God, you know, it's like, who are we to question that? Who are we to allow that little voice to say, you're not good enough. You're not worthy. Um, You know, you should do better here. You should do better there. When really we're already made. We were made perfectly. But in Christ, we are made again perfectly. Through his grace. Before we can know whose we are, we have to know who he is. Wouldn't you agree?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are five principal values I've found in our identity through Christ. One is that we are forgiven, and that's found in 1 John 1, 9. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. The other, number two, is that we are accepted, and that's Romans fifteen seven. Therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be given glory. Third one is that we were made with a purpose. And that's Jeremiah 1:5. Uh again, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb, before you were born. I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. And then we need to know that we are God's masterpiece, Ephesians 2:10. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. And finally, You are made in God's image, Genesis 127. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. And you said that not too long ago towards the beginning, right?
0: Yeah. And what's really interesting about that, too, is if you look at um, I know some texts it says image and likeness. And then if you continue on to Genesis 5, where um, it's talking about the genealogy from Adam to Noah, it, uh, this is already after Cain had, um, obviously sin had entered the world. Cain had killed Abel and we're sitting there and it's talking about the genealogy from Adam to Noah. And it says, Adam begot a son and named him Seth. And he was created in his little h likeness, which I always found was really interesting because originally we are created in the image and likeness of God, which is perfect and blameless. God created us with free will to choose whether to follow his law or not to choose whether to obey the one thing that he said, which was do not eat of this fruit in the beginning. And we allowed ourselves to still doubt God in that moment as, as mankind and eat of the fruit. So at this point now, when Adam is, be, is having another child and now says he's made in his likeness. And I always found that really interesting because now we're still made in the image of God but now we're made in the likeness of sin because we live in a world where sin has already entered into it and mankind is now sinful. So we no longer can be made in that likeness of God. We have to then have a bridge to God, which in old Testament times was sacrifice. And then God said, well, I'm going to send the sacrifice so that you can have the grace and connection to me so that anything you've ever done or anything you ever will do will now be forgiven.
1: I think a lot of times we confuse our identity with um, our accomplishments in life. Like we, we think that our identity is our job, our, our, uh, uh, what I, let me see. Uh, well, let's, our, let's do church it church. this way. Let's was, do it this way.
0: If I were to say, Nathan, who are you? What's the first thing uh, you I say know, to I, people?
1: I, yeah. And, and I, and I thought about it from, from the wrong perspective in the sense that Well, I'm a father, I'm a husband, uh I'm a church attender, I'm I'm a fellow that's out there looking for a job, you know, those are those are all things that that can change about me, you know, but but they're not who I am. My identity in Christ is is that he loves me.
0: Yeah. I mean our identity is that we are a creation of God. We look back we look back to Psalms twenty four, one, what this is whole podcast episode is based on is, the earth is the Lord's and all it contains, the world and all those who live in it. So if if we believe that God created the earth and we believe that he created all that's in it, then who are we to question that? Who are we to say, I am I'm not a child of God. I was not created the way that he intended me to be. But it's easy to get confused. And here's where I'm going to jump forward to to Christ and how even so he was already performing miracles at this time. Um, he had, you know, fed thousands of people. He had, you know, walked on water. He had done multiple things at this point. And, uh, Jesus, this is in, uh, Matthew 16, starting at verse 13. When Jesus came to the, to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, who do people say the son of man is? They replied and said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then I found it really interesting because then Jesus turned to the apostles and he said, and actually this is Peter specifically he's speaking to. He said, but what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of, Then he warned the disciples to not tell anyone that he was the Christ. <clears throat> so before Christ had completely revealed who he was, to the Pharisees, to the Sadducees, people were still confused. They were like, well, who is this guy? You know, who who is the Christ that's supposed to come? And some were saying John the Baptist, some were saying Elijah, some were saying Jeremiah, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But then he turns to Peter and he says, who do you say I am? And so that's why to figure out who we are, we first have to know who he is. Because if we can't sit there and say, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, then that's the first step. We have to be able to identify him as Christ in our life, as the Lord of our life, as someone who we are willing to change and do any, do, not our will, but his before we can take that step forward in realizing who we really are, who our purpose is, as you said before, our identity that is not placed in things of this world. Mm-hmm. We need to have a faith like the some of the people that we read about in the scriptures. Uh one specific one that I pulled up here. It's Mark 5:21 to 34. Many people who have read the Bible and stuff are familiar with this passage, but I just read it real quick. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him. My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. I'm going to pause right there. This guy was a synagogue ruler. One of the guys of the law at the time, but he was able to sit there and say, if you can just come see my daughter, she'll be healed and live. That's, do we have that kind of faith? That's the question I ask. Do we have the kind of faith that that God can just come and do whatever we ask of him and it will be done?
1: Yeah, I know. I struggle with that kind of faith for sure.
0: I think we all do. And I think it's really easy in our culture because we don't live in a culture where we could die tomorrow because of the faith that we have. We're fortunate to live in a free culture. But so many of these early Christians were willing to die for the fact that Jesus was real, for the fact that Jesus was who he said he was. And he calls us to do the same. He says to love your to love someone and this is paraphrasing, but to love someone is to lay your life down for them. And Christ laid his life down for us so that we could have that bridge to God, to the father. Then it goes on to say that the crowds followed him. And there was a woman there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd, touched his cloak, because she thought, if I could just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him, he turned to the crowd and said, who touched my clothes?
1: You were talking about John 15 13. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends.
0: Right. So the question at hand is, who is he? I mean, the simple answer is he's the embodiment of God. You have three, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all separate entities but all the same at the same time, all the same Godhead but the I think the more difficult answer and the answer you learn as you start to dive more in is that he is the embodiment of love, he came down to lay his life down for us so that we could have a bridge to God. And if you have a God who's willing to do that, if you have a God who's willing to sacrifice himself so that you don't have to be separate from him, then that is who we belong to as a creator. And if we belong to him as a creator, we cannot rightfully say, you made a mistake, God, in creating me the way that you created me. You made a mistake in making me a male instead of a female. You made a mistake in making me a female instead of a male. We cannot say that. We cannot say he made that mistake if if he is the perfect embodiment of love.
1: Yeah, I think when you're unsure of your identity and purpose, a great place to start finding your identity is in the Bible. I mean, just looking up who God says you are, spending time in prayer with him, you know, talking through your feelings and emotions with him. Yeah. You know, a lot of times we... we get these uh, thoughts in our head and we just run with them. We don't, we don't process them. We don't think through through them. We just, we just let emotions get the better of us. You know, we don't, we don't, we don't take it up to the most high and, and seek his counsel.
0: And the hard part with that too, is that we live in a culture that doesn't fully, you know, believe that. Um. I forget who it was, but I was listening to something this last week and it was talking about, um, it was a professor who was giving a speech on the Holocaust and he said, you know, as, as it is with history, as more and more people who were involved in the, whatever incident it is in history, begin to pass on, begin to die the more and more people will begin to dispute that that evidence even happened and you look at the holocaust and you look at you know we're we're in 2023 now 80 years past that time frame and m- majority of people who were involved in that time frame have began dying off and you are starting to see more and more people you're, you hear about it out there. You see it online. There's people that just don't believe the Holocaust was a thing. And the same is true with Christ. The same is true... I mean, he revealed himself to 500 people when he came back from, from the dead, when he re-rose. And then as you get further and further away and more and more of those people pass, you start having more and more confusion and doubt about what actually happened. Um... So it's really easy in this culture to have that confusion and doubt about ourselves. When we go through times of struggle, when we go through times of strife, we have to be able to talk to people that we love and just people in the world in general about Jesus. Because we want them to find their identity in Christ because finding your identity in Christ is so valuable. There was this person that I used to work with who was really struggling, was about to get sex changed, was going through all of the things you hear about with people who are transgendered and just didn't feel like who they were supposed to be, didn't feel connected to anything. His sister was very religious, church-going person, finally got him to start going to church with her found Christ, found the way that God created him was perfect. And before he had this life-changing event of a surgery happening, changed back to who God created him to be, and now lives a very happy life in Christ and is fulfilled, doesn't have that empty hole anymore, doesn't have that void that he once had. So we as Christians cannot be scared to talk to people about Christ and live a lifestyle that reflects Christ's love more so than it does hatred and lawfulness. When we live in Christ, we will live by the law, but that's not for us to judge non-Christians over. That's where the hypocrisy comes in, and that's where so many people get pushed away from the church. Our job in that situation is to love them. Christ came with the drunkards and the gluttons because that's who he needed to show love to. That's who he needed to show a path to. He rebuked the Pharisees because they thought they could be saved by living by the law when really they could only be saved by him who was come to fulfill the law. They had their identity in the wrong thing. The identity in the law, in the way of the world, in the culture, instead of an identity in Christ. If you're listening to this podcast, thank you. We love you. We pour out our hearts on here and we talk about what we believe and we've talked about our struggles and we want this to feel like it's an open and safe place. If you, if you ever need to reach out to us, to talk about your struggles, please do so. Even if it just means you want us to pray for you, we'd be happy to do so.
1: Yeah, we can definitely pray. That's one thing we can do.
0: But I charge those of you who are Christian to just show love to people the way that Christ loved the church. All right. Well, this is the first episode of a series that we're going to go through. Next week, we're going to be talking about character. If we can find our identity in Christ, then we can build a godly character. And we're going to talk about what that looks like. All right, guys. Love you all. Thank you for listening to Unafraid with Josh and Nate. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you can catch all of our new episodes. And please leave a review to help other people find our podcast.